welcome back to North Star Big Book. We are on episode lucky number 13. We are in There is a Solution, page 20. Please bear with me. I have a cough that I'm not able to get rid of, so I might randomly cough. Um, <coughs> <see. coughs> We're on the second real paragraph on page 20, and I underline that first two sentences. It is the purpose of this book to answer such questions specifically. We shall tell you what we have done. So this is beautiful. I circled this book. They're going to do this again and again and again in this book. They're going to tell the reader, which is alcoholic basically 101, because it's the first 100 men and women telling us, that the book that, that, that we are reading has answers. That the book we are reading has a program of recovery. That the book that we are reading is like a guidebook, a treasure map. <coughs> I wrote on the side, this book will tell me how to recover. This book will tell me how to recover. And underneath that I wrote the steps. And it says, we shall tell you what we have done. That's the first 100 men and women. Before going into a detailed discussion, it may be well to summarize some points as we see them. I bracketed the next paragraph. This is a paragraph that's people who don't understand what's wrong with us. So I wrote on the side, they don't understand the problem. <coughs> they don't understand the problem. How many times people have said to us, I can take it or leave it alone. Why can't he? Why don't you drink like a gentleman or quit? That fellow can't handle his liquor. Why don't you try beer and wine? Lay off the hard stuff. His willpower must be weak. He could stop if he wanted to. She's such a sweet girl. I should think he'd stop for her sake. The doctor told him that if he ever drank again, it would kill him. But there he is, all lit up again. So all of those observations are people who don't understand that we have a mental obsession. It says, now these are commonplace observations on drinkers, which we hear all the time. Back of them is a world of ignorance and misunderstanding. And the reason why it's ignorance and misunderstanding is because these people that are saying this don't understand, they don't know what's wrong with us, what's truly wrong, which is why we always suggest that people who love alcoholics that are struggling should either go to Al-Anon or, Al or Families Anonymous <coughs> and learn about what's really wrong with us so they can actually help us by not helping us so much. It says... We see that these expressions refer to people whose reactions are very different from ours. I underlined to people whose reactions are very different from ours. On the side, I wrote people who haven't lost the power of choice. People who haven't lost the power of choice. This next paragraph, I bracketed the rest of the page, the little bottom part, and above it, I wrote types of drinkers. So page 20 and 21 are going to identify three types of drinkers in the big book. This is one of the places I take a new person through in the first hour when I meet them. Because the goal of that hour is for me to explain what, <coughs> what my problem is. That I have a physical allergy and a mental obsession and give clear examples of that. And my other job is to help them figure out through the book if they belong here and if they're a real alcoholic and this is one of the go-to places. So I put a number one in front of moderate drinkers and I underline moderate drinkers. So the first type of 
um, drinker that we're going to identify as called a moderate drinker. It says they have little trouble in giving up liquor entirely if they have a good reason for it. I underlined they can take it or leave it alone. And next to that I wrote, could you? Question mark. So that's the first question we get to ask the person that's sitting in front of us at this point. Could you take it or leave it alone? So far in 18 years and 11 months, I've never sat across from a moderate drinker um, because the only people that are in AA that are moderate drinkers are like social working students or medical pre-med students that need to come to AA to learn about um, alcoholism and they might be moderate drinkers. But otherwise, if you come to AA for help, you're not a moderate drinker. Um, it says, then we have a certain type of, I underline hard drinker, and I put a two in front of hard drinker. I'm going to go over the definitions, and then I'm going to explain what we have in AA. So the hard drinker, it says, he may have the habit badly enough to gradually impair him physically and mentally. It may cause him to die a few years before his time. I underline the next sentence. If a sufficiently strong reason ill health, falling in love, change of environment, or the warning of a doctor becomes operative, this man can also stop or moderate, although he may find it difficult and troublesome and may even need medical attention. I wrote a bunch of stuff here. On the top of that little paragraph, I wrote, could you stop for a good reason? Could you stop for a good reason? I wrote on the side, don't have physical allergy or obsession of the mind. Don't have physical allergy or obsession of the mind. One more time. Don't have physical allergy or obsession of the mind. And then I wrote, because they can stop or moderate. Because they can stop or moderate. A real alcoholic, which this is not, this is a hard drinker, cannot stop or moderate given a sufficient reason. And I wrote on the way top of the page, they choose to drink or not. So the hard drinker chooses to drink or not. And then I wrote, real alcoholic cannot choose. Real alcoholic cannot choose. And so I want to go over this before we get to the real alcoholic. I've heard this example before, so I always like to share it. So picture a real alcoholic and a hard drinker standing before a judge. They're on their second DUI because real alcoholics also have an unmanageable life due to drinking. I mean, hard drinkers also have an unmanageable life due to drinking. The judge says, she says to the real alcoholic and the hard drinker, I don't want to see either of you in here ever again. If I find out that you are drinking and driving, we will not even go through this process again. You will just immediately be sent to prison for a year, you will lose your license for life, and I don't even want to have a discussion about it. And dismisses them both. The real alcoholic and hard drinker are shocked and they don't want to go to prison. The hard drinker hears this and says to themselves, I don't want to go to prison, I don't want to lose my license. They choose to not drink and drive. They say to their friends, I'm not going to drink and drive. If you ever see me drinking, I'm going to give you my keys. I don't want to lose my freedom. And they, they are able to not drink because the reason is the, the threat of losing their freedom is too much for them. And they are capable, even if they have a hard time doing it, they're capable of doing it. 
the real alcoholic feels the exact same way, goes out with their friends at night, gives her boyfriend the keys and says, do not give me the keys. I am not going to drink and drive because I don't want to lose my license and I don't want to go to prison. After 12 drinks, gets in a fight with her boyfriend, grabs the keys out of his hand and says, I'm going, I'm out of here and drives home drunk. The reason why I describe that <clears throat> is because both of those drinkers want to not drink. The hard drinker is capable of choosing to not drink when they're driving or driving when they're drinking because they don't want to lose their freedom. They are capable of making that choice because they have not lost the power of choice and they don't have the physical craving or the mental obsession. So they can make that choice given a sufficient reason, ill health, warning of a judge, doctor, family, career. The real alcoholic wants to not drink and drive but cannot follow through with it because they have lost the power of choice. The next part I underline, but what about the real alcoholic? And I put a three in front of that. This is the third type of drinker. And on the top of this paragraph I wrote in big letters, real alcoholic. One of the members of AA who died sober would always say, I'm Ruth and I'm a real alcoholic. And she was referring to this because she could relate to being a real alcoholic. The thing about hard drinkers and real alcoholics is both of us end up in AA because we both get in trouble, we both get court papers, or we both are told by our family or friends or jobs or doctor we need to go get sober. Both of us end up in AA. That's awesome. All are welcome. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. Both of us have a desire to stop drinking. The problem is hard drinkers who don't know if they're real alcoholics or hard drinkers or not because they never sat down and went through the book with anybody and they don't know the difference, are capable of not drinking and attending AA meetings. They feel better when they go to meetings. They have money in their pocket because they're not wasting on booze. Their health is better. Their family is happy. Their jobs are happy. We're a fun, wild bunch, so they've got new friends and a place to go. There's a great message in AA, and they feel better, and they don't need to do the steps. They don't need to do spiritual work because they are capable of not drinking without that. And those people, without knowing it, well-meaning people, will tell new people if they end up working with them and sponsoring them or they're at a meeting with them, you don't need to rush into the steps. Why are you doing your fourth step now? Oh my goodness, you're working on your nine step amends and you're only this much sober? I'm seven years sober and I didn't do it mine until I was five years sober because I got in a lot of trouble. You know, and they're well-meaning people, but they didn't need to work the steps in order to get better. And then they carry their experience to other people and they can try to convince new people in AA that you don't need to rush into the steps. And that's dangerous. Um, my job is not to go through the meetings of Alcoholics Anonymous and pull out all the hard drinkers and tell them, you know, you're not allowed to talk to new people because I'd have to make amends to people and I don't like making amends to people. But my job is, as a real alcoholic, to carry this message to the new person. So it says, but what about the real alcoholic? And above this, I wrote, lost power of choice. So remember, that's one of the main, the main symptoms of the real alcoholic is we've lost the power to choose. It says, he may start off as a moderate drinker. He may or may not become a continuous hard drinker. I underline. But at some stage of his drinking career, he begins to lose all control of his liquor consumption once he starts to drink. 
I double underlined lose all control and I wrote next to that or on the side, did you? Question mark. Once you started to drink, once alcohol was in your body, did you have control over it? I didn't. Once in a while I could control it to prove a point, but there were times when I had no control. And the book doesn't differentiate, it doesn't say you have to have no control every single time. It says, once you started to drink, did you lose all control? It says, here is a fellow who has been puzzling you, especially in his lack of control. I underline lack of control. And I wrote on the side, can you relate? Question mark. And I always tell girls at this point when we're going through the book to put a little check mark next to anything that you can relate to. I underline, he does absurd, incredible, tragic things while drinking. So I checked that because I did. I underline, he is a real Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I, under, I underline that and check that. I underline, he is seldom mildly intoxicated. Check. I underline, he is always more or less insanely drunk. Check. And I underline that in red about insanely drunk. I underline, his disposition while drinking resembles his normal nature but little. Check. He may be one of the finest fellows in the world. I underline, yet let him drink for a day. And he fre frequently becomes, I underline in red, disgustingly and even dangerously antisocial. Check. It says he has a positive genius for getting tight at exactly the wrong moment. Check. Particularly when some important decision must be made or engagement kept. Check. He is often perfectly sensible and well-balanced concerning everything except liquor. I underlined. But in that respect, he's incredibly dishonest and selfish. Check. And above the word selfish, I wrote suicide. <coughs> he often possesses special abilities, skills, and aptitudes and has a promising career ahead of him. He uses his gift to build a bright to build up a bright outlook for his family and himself and then pulls the structure down on his head by a senseless series of sprees. Check. He is a fellow who goes to bed so intoxicated. Check. He ought to sleep the clock around. Yet early next morning, he searches madly for the bottle he misplaced the night before. Check. On the top of this page, I wrote physical craving and mental obsession. Physical craving and mental obsession. If he can afford it, I underline, he may have liquor concealed all over his house to be certain no one gets his entire supply away from him to throw down the waste pipe. Check. As matters grow worse, he begins, I underlined, to use a combination of high-powered sedative and liquor to quiet his nerves so he can go to work. Check. Check. And here, the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, written by the first 100 men and women, are referring to drugs, again, with alcohol, the mixture of them. Then comes the day when he simply cannot make it and gets drunk all over again. Perhaps he goes to a doctor who gives him, I underline, morphine or some sedative with which to taper off. Check. And so now we're talking about drugs again. I underline in red. Then he begins to appear at hospitals and sanitariums. I wrote in the side, cycle of alcoholism. Cycle of alcoholism. We go to doctors to get help because our emotional and mental symptoms are so unbearable and they give us medication, and then we abuse the medication with alcohol. We use the drugs alcoholically, and we end up in asylums and hospitals. This is by no means a comprehensive picture of the true alcoholic, as our behavior patterns vary, but this description should identify him roughly. I underline, why does he behave like this? I bracketed this paragraph, and I wrote on the side, lost the power of choice. That's the reason why. The reason why we behave this way is because we've lost the power of choice. 
I also want to identify the words willpower that are used throughout this book. So wherever you have space on your page, it's kind of a long definition. And I wrote the words willpower. So every time we see this book talking about willpower, we're specifically talking about a power of a sane mind. Power of a sane mind. And then I wrote, where alcohol is concerned, where alcohol is concerned, we are strangely insane because of the mental obsession. Power of a sane mind, where alcohol is concerned, we are strangely insane because of the mental obsession. So just to make that clear, when it comes to alcohol, I cannot see the full picture, and that is why I'm insane. And because of that, I don't have willpower. Willpower would be easy because if I could see the full picture, with, if I wasn't blocked off by the mental obsession, I could see the truth about my alcoholism, I would make good decisions with my mind. Today, I can make good decisions with my mind and my higher power because I can see the truth about my alcoholism because I'm unblocked by the inventory work and meditation and prayer and helping others that I do. It says, if hundreds of experiences have shown him that one drink means an another debacle with all its attendant suffering and humiliation, I underline the word why. Why is it he takes that, up, that one drink? I underline again why. Why can't he stay on the water wagon? And then I underline what. What has become of the, I underline common sense, and I underline willpower. And above willpower, I wrote mind. We're talking about our mind. The reason why we cannot use our mind to fix our mental obsession is because the problem is in our mind. That he still sometimes displays with respect to other matters. Perhaps there, will, there never will be a full answer to these questions. Opinions vary considerably as to why I underline the alcoholic reacts differently than uh, from normal people. So that's really clear what we feel. The first 100 men and women say that we, we react differently to alcohol than normal people do. We are not sure why, I underlined, once a certain point is reached, little can be done for him. And next to that I wrote, beyond human aid, which is what we talk about in step one, beyond human aid. And I wrote, fellowship alone is not sufficient. Fellowship alone is not sufficient. It says, we cannot answer the riddle. We know that while the alcoholic keeps away from drink, as he may do for months or years, he reacts much like other men. Above, like other men, I wrote, working steps. Next, and then it says, we are equally positive and above this I wrote not working steps so the people who are able to stay away from alcohol are people who are working the steps the people who are not working the steps once he takes any alcohol whatever into his system which obviously you would only do that if you're not working the steps I underlined something happens both in the bodily and mental sense which makes it virtually impossible for him to stop back on the bottom of 22 I underlined again bodily and mental and I wrote Physical allergy ignited. As soon as we put the first drink in our body, we ignite the physical allergy. On the top of 23, I wrote this sentence. Can't take a drink based on the truth. We can't take a drink based on the truth. 
And then in parentheses, I wrote, unless suicidal. Unless suicidal. But even then, I argue with myself, it's not based on the truth if we're truly suicidal, which I was, because the suicide, the reason why we want to kill ourselves is because we can only see one way out. And that's not based on the truth. The truth is there is another way. We just can't see it, which is why our book describes the hopeless state of mind and body as seemingly. Because to the alcoholic who's untreated, it seems that it's a hopeless state. To the recovered alcoholic, it's far from it. On the top of 23, it says, the experience of any alcoholic will abundantly confirm this. Above the next paragraph, I wrote in big letters, problem centers in mind. Problem centers in mind. It says, these observations will be academic and pointless. I underlined, if our friend never took the first drink, thereby setting the terrible cycle in motion. And I underlined in red, terrible cycle in motion. I wrote on the side, stark raving sober, stark raving sober before we take the first drink. Stark raving sober before we take the first drink. My sponsor is always reminding me that, the, that every alcoholic who relapses does it completely sober. The reason why we pick up a drink after being away from alcohol for three to seven days, three to seven years, three to seven months, is because our mind told us the lie that we need to. <clears throat> I underline the next sentence. Therefore, the main problem of the alcoholic centers in his mind rather than in his body. And I circled mind. That sentence really blows me away and confuses me. If that sentence is on page 23 of our book, of our program, which was written by the first 100 men and women, why do I hear at meetings to tell new people to not drink and go to meetings and not to rush into the steps and to let the steps rise and meet them and that they didn't get sick overnight and they're not going to get well overnight. That completely contradicts what the book says. If the book says my main problem is my mind, then I need to do the steps which the inventory process and the amends process will help remove all the blockage that's blocking me off from me and my higher power and then the mental obsession will be removed and I will be have, I'll be able to use the power. It says, if you ask him why he started on that last bender, the chances are he will offer you any one of a hundred alibis. Sometimes these excuses have a certain plausibility. I underlined, but none of them really make sense in the light of the havoc an alcoholic's drinking about creates. I wrote on the side, we only think of what alcohol does for us rather than to us. We only think of what alcohol does for us rather than to us. We only think of what alcohol does for us rather than to us. At this point, I just want to make a note about something. For me and my alcoholism, I always had an excuse why I was doing what I was doing. I didn't often share it with other people, but I had it ready just in case anyone asked or challenged me because everything needed to make sense to me in my world. And to me, I always manipulated the truth and changed it in order to make myself believe that what I was doing was right and justified. It says, they sound like the philosophy of the man who, having a headache, beats himself on the head with a hammer so he can't feel the ache. If you draw this fallacious reasoning to the attention of an alcoholic, he will laugh it off or become irritated and refuse to talk. I underline the next sentence. Once in a while, he may tell the truth. I love this sentence. It's funny because it refers to what we're like in the beginning and hopefully not anymore. 
But I remind girls that I'm working with when they're working with new girls that this sentence is true. And the truth, strange to say, is usually that he has no more idea why he took that first drink than you have. I underlined, some drinkers have excuses with which they are satisfied part of the time. It says, but in their hearts, they really do not know why they do it. I underline the next two sentences, three, the rest of the paragraph. Once this malady has a real hold, they are a baffled lot. I underline it in red, a baffled lot. There is the obsession, I underline obsession, and above that I wrote mental, that somehow, someday, they will beat the game, but they often suspect they are down for the count. And I wrote on the side, obsession of the mind makes us believe the lie. Obsession of the mind makes us believe the lie. The thought in my mind that blacks out all other thoughts, which is called the obsession of the mind, makes me believe the lie that it's okay, or that I can just do it tonight, or that I'll do something different, or it was I will just only do it at my house, or I'll only do it when I'm out. I also can have that mental obsession if I stop doing the work in Alcoholics Anonymous, my mind can tell me the lie that it's okay to not send inventories, it's okay to not call my sponsor, it's okay to not to go to meetings, it's okay to not pray, it's okay to not to respond to somebody, and then eventually I'll say it's okay to not do this work at all. It says, how true this is, few realize in a vague way their families and friends sense that these drinkers are, I underline, abnormal, because that's what we are. But everybody hopefully awaits the day when the sufferer will arouse himself from his lethargy and assert his power of will. Above the next paragraph, I wrote, because lost power of choice. And then we'll read this. Because lost power of choice. So the real alcoholic, which they're going to refer to again here, is somebody who no longer has the power to choose. I underline the next sentence. The tragic truth is that if the man be a real alcoholic, the happy day may not arrive. I circled the word truth, and then I double underline real alcoholic to remind me that there's a difference. I underlined, he has lost control. This top of 24 from where it says at a certain point all the way until, until the end of the next squiggly line paragraph, I bracketed and underlined the whole entire thing. And above it I wrote, lost the power of choice. Lost the power of choice. Mental obsession tells me the lie that I can drink again safely. Mental obsession tells me the lie that I can drink again safely. So it should say on the top, lost the power of choice. Mental obsession tells me the lie that I can drink again safely. I underlined, and I'm going to read all of this. At a certain point in the drinking of every alcoholic, he passes into a state where the most powerful desire to stop drinking is of absolutely no avail. On the side I wrote, we believe the lie. We believe the lie that we can handle it. We believe the lie that it doesn't matter. We believe the lie that there's no point. We believe the lie that we're never going to be able to stay sober, that AA doesn't work. This tragic situation has already arrived in practically every case long before it is suspected. And then I wrote above the next paragraph, no mental defense. <coughs> the fact is that most alcoholics, for reasons yet obscure, and I circled, have lost the power of choice in drink. Our so-called willpower, remember, that's the power of the sane mind where alcohol is, is concerned. We are strangely insane. Our so-called willpower becomes practically non-existent. And I underline the rest of the paragraph. We are unable at certain times to bring into our consciousness 
with sufficient force, with enough force, the memory of the suffering and humiliation of even a week or a month ago. I wrote on the side, mentally ill. We cannot use our mind. Our mind is now sick and it's, it's working against us. I underlined, we are without defense against the first drink. And I wrote on the side, can you relate? Can you relate? This is someone who does not have a defense against their mind. That was me. I remember writing in my journal, like, Carly, remember this date. Remember how you feel. Remember what it was like when you looked in the mirror. Remember what it was like when you woke up this morning. Remember how embarrassing that was. Remember the looks that people gave you. Never again forget this. And I would write, like, in big letters, and I would underline an exclamation mark. Never again forget how you feel. But how I felt, the fear, the embarrassment, the shame, was always pushed aside by my strong, strong hunger and thirst to pick up a drink. And we're going to stop right there and we'll start next week um, on page 24. Have an amazing week. It's totally your choice.